Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, the radio chick, Annie Ubellis. Join Annie on Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with an open chat room full of her regulars. And yes, you can even call in. Call 917-889-3675. That's 917-889-3675 to be a part of the action on the phone line. Not able to listen live? Not a problem. You can always catch it. Six, the Radio Chick and Southern Sense Talk Radio podcast in archives at southern-sense.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Southern Sense the right way. Listen, guys, I got something special just for my listeners. If you follow me, you know I usually don't hawk products. I stick to the issues important to you and me, but I think I can't keep this to myself. You may want to check this out and get in on the ground floor before everyone else jumps on the bandwagon. Now, this is just for you, my listeners. I joined up with Team Earth Water. Earth Water is a company that is faith and patriotic. Earth water is an amazing water. It will soon be the rage of the nation and is going worldwide. It has over 70 antioxidants and minerals. It's trust me. I already sleep better. I dropped one of my prescriptions and I'm possibly looking to maybe drop another one soon. So ask yourself, do you want to make a few extra bucks on the side while getting healthier? <laughs> Who doesn't? So if so, Check out the Earth Water link on my homepage at Southern Sense. That's the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Who doesn't want to make some easy money? All right, and we're here with you live to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SH Farm Media, the Lone Star Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, all the heck with it. Go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the mostest, the radio chick, Annie. And unfortunately, Curtis is not with us today uh, because it happens to be um, primary day in Florida. So he's out there working the polls. And the big primaries are Arizona today as well as Florida. So we're going to have to wait and see what is going on out there. I'm willing to bet the governor, after the polls close in the Arizona primary, may wait a day or two, but will have a appointed appointment for uh, Senator McCain's seat. I'm, I'm saying before the weekend, he will have someone in there. So nomination of Kavanaugh can go forward. That's my prediction. No one says I'm a genius, but that's what I foresee. We got ourselves a great show lined up today. We have the co-founders of a new website called Hubbook, H-U-B-B-O-O-K, Hubbook.com. It is a freedom platform. These people out there that have put this together was based upon an idea of a 17-year-old kid, and it has just taken off. It is. I, I'm hoping it will be a place for us to migrate from uh, Facebook, get off of Facebook, get off of Google, get off of those that will censure our conservative voice and put our money and our, our, our oh, good Lord, I just am having a huge uh, rain fart here, our support behind groups such as Hubbook. 
Anyway, uh, we have that starting off. Then we have Dr. Paul Nathanson. He will be returning. Uh, he's got the website, A Voice for Men. He's written numerous books on Miss Andre. Uh, he'll be joining us. And then after that, we'll follow up the show with Dan Perkins. Oh, we always love having Dan Perkins on. He's got a new book out, uh, Terrace Gold. Oh, wow. This, this man is just wonderful. Love him. He also has the website Song and Stories uh, for Soldiers. Ah, now I'm running out of breath. I want to welcome those that are showing up in the chat room and are listening in the studios, also listening in over on Facebook and YouTube. So if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, you see my head turning around. That's because I'm looking between two different computer screens to see what is going on. Uh, anyone? Oh, good Lord. I do miss not having a co-host at this moment. Uh, But Jason Fogg of Internet Deputy, when he comes on with us, he will be acting as my co-host for the rest of the show. So I won't be floundering all over the place. Oh, wow. Anyway, those that listen to the show know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going out to a firefighter. Firefighter Mark Graziano of Hudson, New York. His end of service was on May 9th of this year. And this is from FireRescue1.com. A firefighter died less than 12 hours after responding to two fire calls. According to a Facebook post from Hudson Fire Commissioner Timothy Hutchins, Hudson Fire Department firefighter Mark Graziano, 47, was found unresponsive in his home after battling two blazes in 24 hours. Hutchings said Graziano began his fire career as an explorer at the age of 14 and became a firefighter in 1989 when he was 18. He served as the department's medical officer for several years, was a former captain, and was a member of the dive rescue team, as well as a member of the Columbia County Hazardous Materials Team. Graziano won the Hudson Fire Department Life Saving Award in 2016 after rescuing a drowning victim from 26 feet of water. We also have further from Hudson Valley 316, and this was written by Amanda Purcell of the Columbia Green Media. City firefighters Thursday, May 9th, mourned the loss of one of their own. The fire department announced Wednesday that Mark A. Graziano died in the line of duty after responding to two calls in 24-hour period. He was 47 years old. Under the state volunteer firefighter benefit law, if a firefighter dies from a medical emergency within 24 hours of an emergency call, it is considered a death in the line of duty. Fire Commissioner Timothy Hutchins said, Black flags were draped on fire trucks inside the station at 77 North 7th Street on Thursday. Outside, a sign read, In memory of Captain and Diver Mark Graziano, you will be missed. Graziano served the City Fire Department and J.W. Hoisrat Hose Company Number 8 for most of his life. Graziano joined the Hudson Fire Department at the age of 14 as a junior member in the department's Explorer program. The program runs for the Boy Scouts of America, allows teens opportunity to safely learn about firefighting before they're old enough to join their department. He became a full-fledged firefighter 
at the age of 18 in 1989 and served his hometown until his death. Firefighters remembered Graziano as hardworking and always ready to lend a hand. Mark was always there to lend a helping hand to the new guys and to the veterans whenever needed. Firefighter Skip Kastner said, Mark was one of the reasons why I joined the hazmat team in Columbia County. Mark was, without a doubt, a true friend. He will be greatly missed. Graziano was found unresponsive at his Green Street home shortly after 8 a.m. Wednesday, less than 24 hours after responding to two alarms in the city. The first was at 7.41 a.m. on Tuesday. Graziano responded to an alarm at the Verizon building at 420 Union Street. The call turned out to be an alarm about malfunction, City Fire Commissioner Timothy Hutchins said. The second alarm was at 8.53 p.m. Tuesday. The firefighters discovered an alarm was set off by smoke from cooking at 125 Warren Street, Hutchins said. Graziano responded Sunday afternoon to a structure fire in Greenport with other Hudson firefighters who provided mutual aid. The fire started in the basement of a two-story ranch-style house at 13 Arthur Avenue at 429 p.m. Graziano's cause of death was unknown at the time of this writing. An autopsy was being performed, but the results were inconclusive at the time of this article, said Columbia County Coroner James Bertram. Hutchins called Graziano a dedicated member of the department. He served as an interior firefighter, drove trucks, and was a rescue diver in the department's dive team. He served as a medical officer for the department for several years and with the Columbia County Hazardous Materials Team, helping to contain and clean up chemical and fuel spills. Firefighters remembered Graziano as someone to have around when he needed something done. He was always motivated, always looking to get things done, Hutchins said. He was not the kind of guy that sat back on his hands. If there was something that needed to be done, he was usually the first person to step up and get it done. Hutchins was the captain of the fire department when Graziano arrived as a junior member. Graziano later became captain. It was good to see him grow as a man and as a firefighter and, eventually, have a family and become as well-rounded as he did, Hutchings said. As a member of the Hudson Fire Department dive and rescue team, Graziano was recognized for his heroism. He dived into 26 feet of water to search for a man in Oakdale Lake on August 6, 2015. Manuel F. Tukizinchi, 51, of Peekskill, was picnicking with family members when a soccer ball was accidentally kicked into the lake. Sinchi jumped in to retrieve the ball. Graziano found Sinchi and immediately rescued him by swimming him to shore. He received the Hudson Fire Department Life Saving Award in 2016 and was honored by the Columbia County Volunteer Firefighters Association for the daring rescue. He had an outgoing personality, Hutchings said. We're going to miss him. Graziano was survived by his sisters, Jennifer and Tammy, daughter Natalie, son Alan, and grandson Nicholas. Mark and I have been friends for more than 40 years, Kastner said. We went to school together and always talked about being firefighters. We have fought many fires together in our past 20-plus years as active members. 
Emergency responders across Columbia County offered their support to Hudson and its firefighters. The Hudson Fire Department was being assisted by the State Department of Homeland Security, the Fire Services Division, and the Columbia County Fire Coordinator's Office. Godspeed, Mark. Columbia County Sheriff David Barlett said in a post on Facebook and Twitter. Rest in peace. You truly served your community and will never be forgotten. Today's show is dedicated to firefighter Mark Graziano. It is also dedicated to all those first responders, be they firefighters, police officers, or EMTs. And it's also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into its future. And we dedicate to them this song, Amazing Grace. God bless each and every one. on Block Talk Radio, SHR Media, the Lone Star Daily News, uh, up in iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and half a dozen other places. I have no idea where I am uh, or even what day of the week it is. Just go to the name of the show, put a hyphen in the middle, southern-sense.com. Of course, I'm your hostess with the most, just the radio chick, and Curtis is not with us here today, and Kel is still traveling around in Europe. So we have a new and interesting guest co-host with us today, Jake Fogg of Internet Deputy and also co-founder of Hubbook. Uh, And of course, it helps if I unmute him. Good afternoon, Jake. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And yourself? 
I am a, a one-armed paper hanger right now. <laughs> oh man. Oh, good lord. But we we've, we've got a great show to talk about and everyone is so angry with Facebook and Google and all those other social websites that are censoring people, shadow banning. And I can't tell you how many sites I've been shadow banned on or been told I can't run an ad because it's political. So I'm glad that you have stepped forward. But I also have the co-founder, I should say, uh, actually the real founder is his daughter, Brad Morehouse. Good afternoon, Brad. How are you doing? Really good, thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me to this program. Yeah, I thank you. Um, this all, this whole came about hub book because your daughter, God bless her, got upset with the social network and with all the the censorship and all the other garbage that's going on on there. And you know the data mining, you know the the uh, taking of your your uh, profile and selling it to companies. That she said, Dad, there's got to be something else. What did you say yeah. when she approached you with that? Well, what's so funny is I think it's kind of funny because she got tired of me complaining. <laughs> and so I think it, it, her inspiration is what really motivated me because she just constantly said, you know, you talk about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. But let's just do it. And and so she's really the, the person that just kind of, you, you know, when your kid gets in your face and they said, I'm, just do it and then stop talking about it. And that's kind of where it came from. And actually, your wife got involved too, didn't she? Yes. Well, she's a, a recording artist in the Philippines, and she is very into um, graphics and design and and uh, creative things. And so she she created the speech bubble, um, which you see on Hubbook. And so that speech bubble represents your voice. And so that that came from Vienna, Vienna Morehouse. Yeah, it's funny because I've got graphics up on the video, and as you were mentioning the speech bubble, it came up on the screen. Perfect timing. See that? Um, <laughs> yes. I've got a lot of questions yeah, it, to ask you. And uh, oh no, I was just going to say there's a lot of meaning behind that speech bubble, con- considering it's such a common thing. But coincidentally, nobody ever used it. I mean, everybody uses it, but it's never been really used in the in the way that we you know brought it together. You could say for Hubbook. Well, actually, we've got people showing up in the chat room, and already we have our first question, and this is from Ron, and he wants to know if Hubbook is on secure servers with up-to-date text that can handle DOS attacks. Yeah, DDoS attacks, we've we've experienced that before. At this moment, what we do is we have an extremely great backup service, um, and uh, that's the first most critical thing. So for any reason that we did get attacked, it would take probably 15 minutes um, to put a firewall up. Um, coincidentally, I, we do not have one up this very second because we're not under that much threat. Um, be, I've been down this road in web development and servers most of, you know, for the last 10 years. And so we're actually building, and it's funny you brought that up. We actually have um, a building that we bought in Woodland Park, Colorado. It's really dry. It's great in, a great environment for servers. And so we're actually working with CenturyLink. Um, we're we're going to be having about four gigs to start out with per second. So that's quite a bit of speed just to start out because there's no reason to, to throttle it all the way up because there, there's just no need at this moment. Um, we are growing very quickly. 
But um, the DDoS attacks that Ron brought up, that is something that we do have that software. We just, it's just not turned on right now just because we just migrated our website to a better server, that well, is. How long have you had this up? Um, I would say it, we, we've been working on it for about a year and a half. Um, just the software development, um, a team of people. Um, I would say uh, July 4th was kind of a, like a launch date. We just, you know, you can guess by the date. It's very patriotic. And so we were in beta mode until July 4th. And since then, we're in full, we're full running right now. So, so when I joined... I joined just recently, so you, you were in full mode at that point, because I think I joined, what, a month or two months ago? Did I join in the beta mode? I don't remember. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, beta mode about a is, month ago. It's been about a month now. Yes. Yeah, beta mode, basically, we're just constantly fixing bugs and changing. Whenever, whenever you change something, it always it affects something else, and then it messes up something else. And so we've, we're pretty much in a very stable mode. Once you get out of beta mode, that means you can't do anything live anymore. You have to take the whole server of all the files and database, put them on a test system, and then do your changes there. And once they work, then you can migrate just those changed files. And then you're not going to disrupt uh, people's or users' um, experience. Now, what is your background? Because me, I've set up my own system. I set up my own studio. But my knowledge just goes so far because it's fascinating how you guys can create these things and, you know, do all the changes and just keep everything flowing. What is your background and where did you get all this knowledge? Well, uh, it's – wow. Well, how did that work? Uh, okay, I know how it started. Well, see, my wife is a recording artist and um, back in the Philippines, and so I just wanted to promote her all the time. And so I said, I'm going to build you a website. And so I started out there, and then I started building other websites. And then in 1995, long time ago, um, I uh, uh, this has uh, uh, nothing to do with building websites, really, but I inherited some money from my grandpa, and so I bought – hundreds and hundreds of domain names, which are worth a fortune today. And so I said to myself, well, I'm going to start building websites on that too. And so, and flipping them. And so that's how I started in the industry. And then, um, then I worked with people, then I hired people, then uh, it just went crazy from there. And that, that's kind of the short end of the story. <laughs> and Jake, how did you oh. fall into all of this? Because you, you're a co-founder, right? Yes. Well, Brad and I have collaborated uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, we've always stayed in touch. I, he and I met uh, back in 2012 on a, uh, on a website we were working on together, and uh, it was strictly for um, the 2012 campaign. And uh, he, he, uh, he runs his own business, and I was at the time uh, – in, a, in the restaurant business, uh, had my own place, but I've also run businesses my whole life. And um, I was doing kind of a side thing, and now it has switched to more of a full-time thing. So I have Internet Deputy, which you've interviewed me on uh, before, and we were going to do it on that. Actually, I, I attempted to do it on that, but the problem is, is, you know, I have a news website plus a social media uh, component within it, which – which 
really needed to be social media needed to be by itself needed to be its own website and so forth i still have the component on there and it, it drives people there who are interested in internet deputy so um i of course wanted to have a part of this so i asked him hey you know uh he was telling me about it and i said well definitely you know i want to be in on this <laughs> since that's kind of what i wanted to do anyway so um brad and i've been good friends for a long time and uh uh, we're both Christians. Uh, I trust him uh, like he's my own brother. I mean, you know, um, I, I still you. I still run business and stuff, and and uh, he and I just we 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 work on this uh, as much as we can, and we just we just saw people not having a voice, and we wanted to do something about it. I think it's a scary option for people to be screaming uh, for things like net neutrality when they don't know what it is. They think that that's going to help this. They think that uh, regulating these websites is going to be the answer. And I, I say that that's going to be our complete downfall. Let's use our actual principles, which are free market. You know, if you don't like something, you go somewhere else. If you don't like a restaurant, you know, if you don't like uh, uh, going into a restaurant in Virginia and, and having your politics blasted all over the place, then you go to a different restaurant, you know. <laughs> so, you you allow the free market to do its thing. And I think that we're we're in a time now where people are hungry for a place to go to. Yeah. And so that's Well, well you're so you're still in the baby stages. Here. You're you're still in the baby stages, even though you've developed it over a year and a half. You're still yeah, because people come in they say, Well, I wanna see this on there, I wanna see that on there. So you're still, you know, developing it in um and morphing it into whatever it's going to turn into, hopefully something that will take down Facebook and Google. Um, But in your mission statement, you – go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we uh, intentionally made it uh, look like Facebook because we – and when I say look like, really there's more of a feel of Facebook. It doesn't really look like Facebook – but the way it's laid out is similar to Facebook. And we did that for a reason, not to copy Facebook, not because we think Facebook's wonderful. We can't stand Facebook. But we wanted a user experience that was easy. There are some other social networking websites out there that are hard to learn. I mean, for people who are used to using Facebook, they've gotten used to it. So our features include many of the features that Facebook has, and we're going to continue along that path as far as having the features that are competitive, but over time we expect that the look of the the look of it's going to change. We just want it easier for people who are just frustrated. You know, I say to people who just then when I see a, a post on Facebook, I've just got blocked. I'll respond to them, "Hey, try Hubbook. You're not going to be able to post anything anyway. You know, to the groups you want to or whatever. Create create your own group. Create your own platform." Well, you just so, gained a new member just as a few seconds ago. Uh, Ron goes underneath the screen name Golf Dog. So if you see Golf Dog up on your hub book, that's our buddy in the chat room. That's awesome. That's great. That is awesome. As a matter of fact, I, I, one of your other members is here too. Robert Patrick is uh, up in the chat room over here too. Uh, you know, because when I do the shows, I post the YouTube video up on there. So at least they know that we're trying to get the word out about Hubbook, you know, so tell tell your members to take a click onto uh, my page, you know, friend me, 
and uh, uh, watch the video. You know, it, it is a new medium because you have someone like Alex Jones that has been banned from his videos. Diamond and Silk has been censored. And we need a place where our voice is heard. And this is in your mission statement, your very first paragraph of it, uh, Brad. You wrote, you have a voice. You should be heard. Social media titans like Facebook and Twitter have a stranglehold on their users. They've got people hooked on the massive platforms and then began to decide what content they were allowed to see, share, or post. Bottom line, if you don't agree with their narrative, they will block, restrict, jail, and shadow ban you. It's time to fight back. You know, my question is, is here uh, on your site, what happens if you have someone that is the jihadist recruiter? You know, how do you, how do you determine what is a post that you're going to allow to, to remain and what is a dangerous post? And where do you draw the line? Well, Jay could really answer that question. I kind of want to – I'm going to give you a, a, li- a little bit different answer to what you're expecting, and then and Jay can answer the rest of it. Okay, see, here's the deal is that if we are constantly um, showing such an ugly, angry face towards people, they're not going to listen. So what we got to do is we have to – when we have an opportunity as humanity – Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit emotional because I'm very, very passionate about this. I don't know what it is, but whenever I get onto this kind of topic, I'm like, I'm so passionate. I sometimes have to prevent myself from crying. So, but forgive me. Try to look past that. I'll try to be articulate here. But here's the deal: is, is if we constantly are fighting and and calling people morons and and all this stuff, and when a jihadist gets on the thing, we actually have an opportunity to witness to them, right? They're right in front of us. We have, we have an obligation. You know, it's like, it's like I, but what frustrates me is we see all this hatred going back and forth from both sides, any side, every side. And, and, and the thing is, is that, again, if we're going to act like Christians, then act like a Christian. Love on them. Give them truth with grace, but top it. <laughs> Top it with love, you know. I'm sorry, I'm a little emotional, but yeah. I'm really, I'm no. really passionate about this, and it's that's the problem, and that's the difference. So, hub book from the top down, it's going to be based on um, loving on people and trying to encourage them. In in fact, what I what we have on our schedule, we haven't implemented it yet. But we're going to have, like every hour, we're going to have something that's positive. It will not be tagged by the author, so people can't judge it. Like, you know, Corinthians 7, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, Napoleon Hill or whoever. We're just going to put positive messages in front of people all the time so that we can direct them by example. So, Jake, take the rest. Well, you know, we, we're going to have to pull what we have to pull, Okay. Uh, yeah. There, there are even conservatives out there that are that are rough around the edges, and sometimes they go too far. And we know that we're going to have to pull. And we've never, we've been very careful when we wrote the statement. We we never said we weren't going to pull a post. What we said was we're not going to punish people who are not fake accounts just because they make a post that might be pulled. Right? We the problem with Facebook is, is they have this they have this setup. It's a three phase deal where People within the, the people who are aligned in a certain political way, generally on the left, and make a 
can make a all they have to do is report a post and then that person who posted that will be banned for 10 days from sharing into groups or they might be banned completely for 30 days from even using the site well um we don't we don't want to do anything like that that people do make mistakes people do you know we we want to we we the only algorithms we really want to have is something like when somebody starts cursing or something that says, you know, are you sure you want to post this? You know, something that pops up like that, that, that says that, that, Hey, we're, we're not, you know, you, you have a right to post it, but think about your words first, you know, something like that. We're not, we're not here to control everybody's, you know, and we know that we expect somewhere down the line that, that a bunch of leftists are going to get on there and try to tear us up. We, we know that there's uh you know, they'll post a bunch of nudity or something like that. They'll try, and we'll, you know, we'll deal with that as they come. And, um, you know, we have to – the thing is, is we have to make this work. This is a uh, – we know that we're going to be attacked. We know that we are going to come under scrutiny, especially when we start wrestling away the stranglehold that the, that the social media networks have. But this is this is only one part of the puzzle. We are not gonna. The, the the truth is that most of the people being banned on Facebook are not saying anything wrong. They believe in liberty, right? How is that right. so wrong to believe in liberty? I mean, can you imagine the founders? I mean, I mean, could you imagine what they would be thinking? if people were regulated and blocked, I mean, this is not, again, Facebook is a private platform. They can block whatever they want, but Liberty. I mean, the idea that most of the people that, that are on these things that are, what are they talking about? Freedom. And that's what it boils down to. People don't read that into it because that's not what the media wants you to hear, but that's what we need to be screaming. This is about freedom. This, you know, my, even my website, my website, internetdeputy.com. It's not about politics. It's about freedom. That's the slogan, okay? This whole thing is uh, we're, being, we're being blocked from sharing what we believe to be the greatest country in the world, and we are. And people who don't Hello? We lose Jake? Did we lose Jake? I think we lost I think we did. His phone cut off the other day. He'll jump back on there. Um, well, our slogan, he'll jump back on. Our, our slogan, one of them, is don't be politically correct. Be kind. You know, And I think that's very important. So if we just come across being kind, then we don't have to worry about being politically correct. And so – but uh, what are your thoughts about that? I, I, I know you – you know a lot about this because your your beautiful website. I was reading it today, and I, I'm very inspired from all the the work that you've done and all the radio shows that you've done. But what is your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I, I agree with you because I got into a debate with someone, and I forgot what the social network was. It might have been Gab or something, and you know, the conversation was going nice and polite, and then the person obviously was a liberal that I was debating. And I said, well, your statement is hypocritical. And the next thing I know, I was being attacked in, in ways that I never imagined over the word hypocritical. I was told I cursed him out. I was told I swore at him. I was told I was a bigot. I was a racist. I was this. I was that. And I kept on saying, how is the word hypocritical a curse? You know, and, and I was trying to, to treat him as kindly as possible. And I said, wow. you know, 
I was brought up to be a Christian, and I says, I may hate the sin, but love the sinner. I said, if this is the way you are, you know, I will pray for you. And I started to walk away from the conversation. The next, the moment I did that, that person did a complete 180. And you're right. If you do treat people with kindness, you either will see them just drop out of the fight and walk away because they know no matter what, you've got the shield of God before you. Uh, but if, if, they, if you do it properly, you may even change someone's mind. Yes. Good word. Yeah, you're pouring heaping coals on their head. How's that go on the forehead? What's that saying? Do you know that one? Uh, you, a kindness on No, the, I don't. Is, okay, well, if somebody that's listening, you can email uh, Anne. And I forgot what <laughs> quote that is, but but uh, yeah, it's so true. Is Jake, are you there? Not yet. I wonder yeah, what happened. Trying, I haven't seen him come back at his phone may have died. Okay. He might be trying to find another phone. But as soon as he comes back in, I'll let you know. But you also got a new uh, member, Robin. Uh, Duffy has just posted in the chat room that she's joined it. And Mama Mia No Sharia Vito, are you up on her book? If you are, post in the chat room. If not, get yourself up there, buddy. Uh, he's also <laughs> a, a fellow uh, host here. Um, but well, yeah, that, it is okay. that... It is true that you know uh, we're we're portrayed as being vicious, as we're being nasty. And the moment you bring religion into this, oh, you're pulling the holier than thou. No, I'm trying to show you that there is another way. But then again, you also have the false Christians out there that will say, you know, yeah. no matter what, you know, it, it, it's this way or the highway. No, um, I had a debate with um, a neighbor of mine across the street who happened to be, you know, gay, and. She was talking about, you know, uh, uh, same-sex marriage. And she says, I have no problem with it. However, it's called a civil union. And once you have it performed in a church, then that denomination will then verify it as a marriage. This is why the Supreme Court ruling is wrong, because Supreme Court has just defined a religious right, therefore has defined religion. It is a civil service. Yep. Every single state and territory, you've got to go to a county municipality or town or whatever it is and take out a license, and by law, it is called a civil domestic union. And by that point, then you have all the rights of inheritance, uh, child uh, uh, custody, property. You've got all the same rights of any other heterosexual domestic union couple. And then if you find a church that's willing to perform that, like a Unitarian or the Episcopalians, then fine. I'm not going to argue a fight with that. But I'm telling you, this is my belief. This is what my church stands for. And if you want to have a conversation and, and debate it or discuss it, you want to come yeah. to one of our services and see if it fits you, fine. If not, then I'm not going to hinder you. I'm not going to stop you in your beliefs. I'm not going to stop you in your way of life. I'm just telling you what my personal opinion is. I'm not forcing it on you. So please don't force yours on me. Don't make my exactly. church perform same-sex marriage. It's against our faith. Yeah. And this is the very fight we are having right here in South Carolina. It's going on throughout the nation. A lot of churches that have been split and torn, those that us stick with the biblical writing scriptures and those who want to reinterpret it. And this is what is happening. We've got the liberal left reinterpreting everything, and we still want someone like you, like Jake, that want to live by the pure biblical purposes that Christ taught us. Love everyone, yeah. but, but don't, Hate the don't force them. Yes, right. exactly. And Jake is back with us. 
Yes, um, and I, I've been sitting here listening, and you know, I don't know what happened. But uh, the thing is, is that, uh, that the, and this is, again, this, this goes along with every time we get banned and blocked, this, is, this goes right along with reasserting their uh, assertion of who we are. That's not who we are. That what they say is, is uh, you know, we're, we're just a bunch of holier than now, the past judgment, and that's not true at all. But they, they'll never know if we continue getting our voices blocked. Yes. Hey, I, I want to jump in and say something that, that, that really hit home to me. Um, Jake, uh, he said something about a week ago that I really liked, and it was this. If we have the tools, the answers, and it's, it's one thing I, I wish we could do is have like a, a book of like all these um, debated questions and how to answer them, because what happens is we get caught with our pants down. You know, we don't know how to answer things properly because we're frustrated or we just don't know the answer to it. But it'd be so nice if there was something that that was that prepared us to be able to, to debate with people in, in, in a loving way and with a truth and in a logical and encouraging way. But I, I wish there was something out there. Is there anything like that? Because just, we, well, everybody's fighting over these things all the time, debating over these things. It'd be so nice to have something like that. Well, well I think. I think that I, the, the biggest problem is, is if you watch the, the if you watch the best debaters in the uh, in the conservative movement, they are not afraid to say. And I think this is a, a typical human trait that has to be learned. They are not afraid to say when they just don't know, but they'll have to look it up. Yes. You know, I'm not really sure about that, and I think that's a matter of pride, and I think that's something we should encourage in in any environment that we're on, you know, when people start cursing at me, for example, in, uh, on Twitter, okay. Or, uh, on Facebook or whatever, I usually, first thing I do is tell them, look, I mean, I, I'm so, I am, I'm so, you know, disappointed that you have to resort to that kind of language and so forth. I was hoping to hear something with substance, you know, and, I try my, my darndest not to curse too much, and there's times when, you know, you really want to, but the truth is is we're not, we're not winning any battles. It's a much better thing to point out when they are losing by their lack of expression. And we were all taught when we were kids, you know, the more uh, foul language you use is a, uh, an, an indication of your lack of vocabulary, right? Yes, <laughs> so, exactly. So when you, so when you do that um, – when you turn it around back on them, they're either going to drop off or they're going to back down. And if they, if they start acting crazy, then you just ignore them, you know, because they've, they've already lost the fight, you know. I think it's just a matter of pride. There are a lot of things I don't know. There are a lot of things I do know, you know. And when people start talking to me about economics and stuff, when I start seeing, you know, posts on Twitter from Kamala Harris about how horrible it is living in California – it's really easy for me because that's one thing I've studied is economics. Well, I'm sorry, Kamala Harris. It was your people that did it. Don't ask for more minimum wage. How about you fix the issues that make it so expensive to live there, you know? And if somebody comes at me, I'm only going to debate them if they have something with any reasonable uh, uh, attempt to, to have a scholarly, yeah. yeah, you know, to have some sort of uh, scholarly, you know, uh, educated response, you know, not, not, not a bunch of garbage that uses the F word and, and, and so forth. Yeah. 
Well, Anne, you know what was interesting is, as you mentioned about five minutes ago, about how that person just went off on you. And um, and they and and I just like what Jake says is that if we can somehow defuse it and then and make them act civilized, then we can actually get somewhere. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, that's, that's like one in of the my cases that. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say that was. Oh, one no, of my... I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say it's just kind of like your debate with the the, the same sex marriage. I have we said Brad will probably. <laughs> But if you don't want to have a civil conversation and get the issues out on the table, then there's no point in speaking with you. And usually they'll back off or they'll just disappear. Right. And I, I think trying to show how certain things affect people down the road, it may not affect them now because they're not for it. It may affect them. I mean, you can use that in the gun debate. You can use that in the same-sex marriage debate. For somebody who's, hey, are you really trying to usurp somebody else's religion? Because if you do it this way, it doesn't. It, may, it makes everybody happy. Or are you really trying to take somebody's ability away to protect their family? There's already statistics that show that the, that the cities where the, the, the gun laws are the tightest are the ones where more people are getting killed by guns. So there's no evidence to suggest that gun laws are going to do anything to control the amount of gun deaths that occur. So, you know, this could be you down the road. Maybe one day you'll change your mind and you'll get your mind around the fact that, you know, guns guns are different. And if you decide that you want to actually learn how to use one, wouldn't you like to know that that you have the ability to do that? You know, I try to sometimes, if, if the person is, uh, is uh, somewhat, somewhat uh, listening, you can sometimes I, – I called a person a racist one day for calling – Trump supporters racist. And I said, that's a stereotypic attitude. And, and when you act like that, you're actually engaging in racism yourself. You like, you're not, and this was a woman and I accused, I, I accused her of being against women's rights. And when I pointed out all the reasons she actually, and this is very few times that this will ever happen, but she actually backed down and started, okay, well, I kind of see your point, you know, well, we've got some questions coming up. We've got questions coming up because uh, people are going onto your site and joining up, and they're having a little problem navigating. Do you have any, like a video or instructions on telling people how they can friend or send friend requests? Because there are some people yes, saying that right. they got a friend request and they didn't know how to friend back. Yes. So what's going on is um, we're in the middle of doing a little bit of uh, visual changes. And so when we shoot the videos, we make video tutorials, at least I do with another company. And um, the problem is, is it'll be outdated. But I keep saying, well, just make the video tutorial for now and then change it later. So thank you for bringing that up. We are on that. We just, we just need to jump on it like this next week and start making tutorials um, and, or at least screenshots for people. So oh, sorry, wait, wait, whoever's wait. listening, that okay, it's not really easy. If, if you're getting a notification that – you have to uh, – that somebody's trying to friend you, just click on that person's name, and it will go to their profile. And, in the, and next to their profile picture, there's a little pen. And that actually is like a little settings deal, and you click on that pen, and, yes. it, will, it, and it will allow you to accept their request. And so um, that's, and another thing, we actually have some coding going on, uh, either probably be finished by today or tomorrow, that where – 
that's not going to show up as a pen and it's not going to be in white anymore because people who don't put a background picture often have it uh, or put a white background picture, it blends in and you can't see it. So it's right next to the uh, profile page. And as, as these things are coming up, pretty soon that's not going to be a pen anymore. It's going to actually say uh, your status of whether you're friends with that person or not, you know, just like Facebook. So um, little things like that we're still working out, but it, it is pretty intuitive I mean, I'm looking at the site right now, and uh, I'm scrolling down, and I see right in the middle of my screen the people you may know, right? I mean, Facebook does that. And so I can click on each one of those and add friend. We've made it a little easier on that particular thing before we had to actually have it confirmed. Now you just click add friend, and there's a request sent for them, right? So there's a lot of uh, – and then if people just want to see the members, there's we actually have a uh, – for now, anyway, at the uh, the little settings that next uh, Y Hub book, you can actually scroll down to members, right? And you can you can go through there and just start friending people. Most of them you'll see are pretty much thinking the way we think. So, and if somebody doesn't, you know, if, if you know if there's somebody that you decide, well, maybe we don't uh, want to be friends with them, you can unfriend them or block them or whatever. And um, we're also going to have where it says groups, we're going to have next to that pages because we have pages under the uh, settings tab, but we want it to be out there just kind of like, uh, and we actually in that case will be a little easier to use than Facebook because it's going to be right there in your face. It's going to say home, groups, then pages, and then more hub books. So um, we've already got, we already have this address. So little things like this to try to make it a little easier. Uh, the most important, there are a couple things besides the not punishing people, most importantly, we're, we're not going to ever, number one, be publicly traded like Facebook is, right? They, even if they decided not to track people and all that, they push, they force themselves into a corner by publicly trading because now they're, they're answerable to other people, number one. Number two, we're never going to track people's data. We're never going to sell people's data. Any, any ad creation that is, that is driven by keystrokes will be done in real time and not in anything else. We're not going to be tracking people's behavior. We don't want people to worry about that with us. We are not, uh, we're not here to make a bunch of money on this. We're here to provide people a platform by which they can use similar to Facebook that gives them the voice that Facebook or Twitter and none of those other people envision. This is why they can't stand it because now they've opened up a box and now they're trying to control what's coming out of that box. So we're here to allow that box to open, right? Nice. Well, you know, i got to tell you, um, Vito Esposito is probably going to join because he's at work right now. Uh, but um, I, I'm finding it fascinating because there's so many other uh, social websites that are popping up, such as MeWe, Gab, uh, one way, uh, but so far yours I find is is superior to it at this point uh, because of the way you treat people. You know, Gab, you get a lot of trolls in there and no one controls them. You know, how do you verify a user to make sure that person is a real living being? It's very simple. All you got to do is contact them. If they can't answer an email, you know, we can suspend an account until they get back with us. You know, Facebook doesn't give you the option to do anything. They'll just tell you you're a fake account even when you're not, and they'll just erase your account. I've seen that happen. And yeah, um, yeah. we're not we're, – we're just going to – we're, we're going to maybe – I mean, if somebody is a troll and they're just there to cause problems, we can suspend their account until they can get a hold of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. We've got another question. We got another question up in the uh, chat room and wants to know if you ever have live video streaming. And right now I've got my video playing up on you, but I I had to do it through, you know, um my website and as well as YouTube. Are you looking to do that in the future? Absolutely. Go ahead, yes, absolutely. We're actually working on this and a cell phone app. Both of these things are actually number one priorities for us right now. We're trying to get all of the best things that will compete with Facebook. We're trying to get the best for our users. Um, there are other ways, you know, to broadcast live and stuff through us, but we really want that user ability to be there. We want people to say, hey, wait, I can, I can hold my own video conferencing right here on Facebook, you know. So, yes, we uh, – and, and the, the beauty of it is, is uh, that, that stuff isn't just in development. That's not, that's not a if and when. This is, this is something that's going to happen very soon. We're almost actually, yeah. Let me jump on that. We're almost, I would say, ninety percent done on the phone app and about ninety-five percent done on the video uh, project too. So they're, they're almost done. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. Is I mean, really, these are things that we, if we had tried to wait to do all of this, I mean, you know, people that just do are the ones that make it right, and. I mean, it goes all the way back to our founders. If they would have tried to hash out slavery, for example, they would have never been able to fight the Civil War or the uh, uh, Revolutionary War, right? So they just said, you know what, we're just going to do, and then we're going to deal with this stuff later. And that's what we're doing. So there, there, there was other things we could have waited on, but with – I mean, we couldn't have come out at a better time right after – I mean, we right after we went live, not not long after, you know, Alex Jones gets banned out of all of these. Or when I say live, I mean after beta, you know, Alex Jones gets banned on all these platforms, you know. And uh, so it's just a matter of getting these people to recognize us. We sent a letter to Alex Jones offering our platform to him. Uh, we we you know I I don't always agree with Alex Jones, but I mean he's we should be standing up for him right now, you know? I mean, I don't, again, there's some things I, I value his opinion on and other things I don't, but the truth is, I mean, why was he banned and why wasn't Antifa, you know? Antifa got, they still get to keep their voice. Black Lives Matter still get to keep their voice, but Alex Jones doesn't. And what is Alex Jones? At the end of the day, I don't care what you think about him. At the end of the day, the guy is really basically preaching liberty, Right. And so why are, again, it goes back to people who are talking about freedom, scare them. And so, so we, we, we have yet to hear back from Alex Jones, but um, I'm sure by now he knows that we're here. And I, I would, I would uh, hope that uh, he might, you know, uh, give us a shot because he, he'll, you know, he can, anybody can get on this and create their own page, their own group, whatever they want to do, just like Facebook. And we're not going to mess yeah. it. I mean, well, you know, you, one more. Go ahead. You've, you've, already, you've already got an invite to go on to a veto show. So if you want, I'll send your information over to him so he can contact you and make that arrangement. And Ron said he loves your site so much that he's already went off. <laughs> he logged out so he tweeted. So he's back into the uh, the chat room. So people are oh, really happy with awesome. what you yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, had, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say something that's very important, and Jake and I were talking about this earlier. We are all in this together. 
here's the deal. Our, what, I don't need to do a sermon on this. We all know what's going on. You know, uh, our family rights, just the whole picture. We all know what's going on. Okay, but now let me add one little thing to it. And a lot of you who are listening might know this too. When you look at uh, Internet Deputy, for example, that's Jake's site, okay? When you Google a keywords of an article that he wrote a year ago, it will not show anymore, okay? Whereas I used to Google articles to find them to show somebody, and they would pop up as number one because those keywords it would pull up as number one. I Even when I add the keywords, Internet Deputy, and then, then the title of the article, it is not showing up on Google anymore. And that's what should be really scary to everybody right now. They are doing everything with their algorithms to block conservative talk. Okay, and it's really, really scary. So when I, here's the punchline. We all are in this together. We need to work together. We need to sh- support everybody. Otherwise, we're going to be drowned out. It's gonna, we're swimming upstream right now. And so that, that's, that's my, my cry out to everybody that's listening. Thank you for supporting Hubbuck, yes. But, but we need to support everybody, Anne, every, every kind of Alex, every, anybody, you know, Rush Limbaugh, whoever, Sean Hannity. It doesn't matter. Anybody that has a voice that's being drowned out by Google algorithms is very scary. That it is. Yeah. That it is. Man, it is it's so interesting and it's fun because it's, it's a pleasure to be up on a platform such as yours. Uh, my other question is, because I'm looking at the clock and before my next guest calls in, you, I notice you have adding advertising on there. Um, it's not advertising that's linked to someone's preferences. So how does someone get on there to advertise? Well, um, let me answer that question. We're in the, excuse me, I'm trying to stand up. I was sitting on a bench outside on a porch looking at uh, Pikes Peak. It's beautiful outside. But anyways, um, what's going on is we have um, uh, the the IP um, advertising. That means if you're in a certain zip code, you can make your banner show up in certain zip codes. So we have a really nice system in place, but it's not it's not turned on. So in about another week from now, People will be able to create an account, uh, assign what zip codes they want, and what, how long clicks or impressions. It's a, it's a high-end advertising component, very similar to what you'll see on any professional platform. Well, what if you have a show like this or like Alex Jones where you want it to go all over to everyone? Then you just assign it to country or, uh, or by demographics. You have your demographics by women or keywords you can put in there. So if somebody's typing in certain words, that ad will pop up. It's, it's, it's a lot like uh, AdWords even. Hmm. I hope I answered funny, your question. Got more, got yeah. Now, let me, let me okay. – I would like to say something about that, though. Now, okay. now – and you have a you have a a page on Facebook and you have a page on Hubbook. And we're you know, yes, we, we're into advertising, but you know, we're gonna be in you know, we're gonna be because that's what's gonna pay for this in the end. But we're not gonna we're not gonna stop people from doing like what you have. Okay? We're just exactly the way you can share your stuff on Facebook, you can share your stuff here without ever being blocked about it, right? So you can create your page 
because, I mean, I have a page on Facebook, you know, for Internet Deputy. And uh, in between uh, bouts of being blocked, I share it from group to group. And you'll have the same options here, too. So uh, especially for, like, like what, you're, what you're doing, you know, we, we applaud, uh, we applaud uh, blog talk, you know, and that sort of thing. And so, you know, people who have YouTube channels or whatever, they're free to have a page on this as well. They don't necessarily, you know, uh, have, uh, you know, uh, they don't have to pay for it, right? I mean, you can boost your ad with uh, Facebook. The problem with that is that they've already found that Facebook was lying on their numbers. And I think that's something we probably, you know, want to stay away from. Um, you know, the so. more people, <laughs> you, you know, you're, it, when you look at Facebook, it's, it's turned into this huge uh, deal where people have had so many different, there's been so many good things that came out of Facebook that they're just ruining now, okay? People uh, were able to build their, you know, they were able to get uh, hits on their websites. They were able to uh, promote themselves, promote their speech, promote, you know, and they, they uh, little, little people like us, you know, who, who uh, just, you know, you have, you want, you know, you were starting to get a voice and then they just throttled everything down. So we're not going to be throttling people down and we're going to encourage the very same behaviors as far as people creating their own pages and stuff like that. You know, if, a, if a blog talker, for example, wants to advertise, that's great. But at the same time, they have those options available to them that everybody else does. You know, create a page, create a group, promote yourself, friend a bunch of people, get them to follow you, you know, whatever it takes, how, however you can do it without having to pay. In that case, you know, we, we're not trying to make uh, – It's not, not a money machine. No, exactly. We're, we we, we want to make enough to pay for the, the site. And really, if this becomes massively successful – it's going to go to creating the next YouTube or the next Google. So these are going to be things, you know, uh, Brad and I have, taught, have discussed this uh, amongst ourselves in pretty, pretty uh, detailed, you know. We have a plan. The plan isn't, you know, if we do well with this, that's great, but the plan isn't to get rich. The plan is to move forward and offer more services to people like us. I mean, wouldn't it be great if – if uh, you know, and there is, there are other search engines, but they're relatively unknown. So we've we've examined why those why that is, and how we're going to tackle it. And so these are things that that uh, we we hope that the website is massively successful, but only only at only at the behest of customers or or users being successful for themselves. Right? We want people to have a place to to be able to have their voice that they discovered in social media to begin with, and we want them to be able to carry that out. At the same time, uh, our ad will be driven based on, you know, traffic. Hey, Ann? Yes. Ann? Oh, yeah, you were yes. about to have another question. I, I could, what was that? You were about to say something. Well, I'm seeing in the studio that my next guest is coming up on the line. So I'm going to just, before I bring him on the line, I had one last question because, you know, one of the things that people like this show have and other shows and other uh, performers, artists, whatever, they would put a, events up. And if you ended up being a conservative show, a conservative voice, 
you were restricted in how many people you could invite. Are you going to do something like that where people can have all their followers to be invited, all their friends, and to expand it out to invite maybe more people? Because Facebook is, is really, really hurting. Because once they did that, I saw my numbers drop. They've been climbing back up because people are finding me. But uh, it, it's been a huge hindrance with Facebook. Well, that's all algorithms, software programming and all that. We're not going to do anything like that. It'll just be organic. It'll be natural. Um, the only thing that we have against us is Google, you know, that, that's it, you know, what pulls up on that side. But um, our systems are just going to be um, – th- we're not going to put any yeah. – Yeah, exactly. Who you want, whoever's in your – you know, we discussed this before, whoever's in, you know, you only see six to ten people – on a regular basis on your feed. Why is that if you have 5,000 friends? In some cases, some people do have 5,000 friends. Why are you only yep. saying that? It's because they have taken the time to regulate those people out. When you go to those other friends that you haven't seen for a while, you find that just five minutes ago they posted something. Why didn't you see it? It should be in your feed. You subscribe to them. You're their friend. If it's a group, why didn't you see the group post? You subscribe to it. Right, so we're not gonna, yeah, we're not gonna do anything. That's that's one of our biggest things is we don't we don't want algorithms messing up or deciding for the people what they want to see. They decide by the friends they choose, and the groups they join, and the pages they follow. Yes, well, Brad, I exactly. want to thank you for joining us because I've got the next guest up on the line. Jake, you're staying on with us. You're my guest co-host for the rest of the show, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. All well, right. Thank you Brad, so much. You. And I'm telling yeah, you, yeah, go you. over to hubbook.com and check it out. Yes, and my, my closing statement is is we're here for your voice, and we want all the ideas that you have, whoever's listening, and we want to – we are totally open to – uh, making improvements, and uh, I mean, we would be we would be stupid if we didn't. And I just want to thank everybody for listening, and thank you for listening to me. And and uh, I'll see you on Hubbook. I'll see you there, Brad. Take care. All right, All right Brad. Have wow. a good day, Brad. I'm sorry, I cut him off at the last second, but uh, I do have my next guest sitting there quietly on the line. He's returning to the show, Dr. Paul Nathanson. He's the author of Oh, Good Lord, if I can get all these in. Spreading Misandry, the Teaching of Contempt for Men in Popular Culture, Legalizing Misandry from Public Shame to Systematic Discrimination Against Men, Replacing Misandry, Revolutionary History of Men, and if I remember correctly, the last one is Sanctifying Misandry, Goddess Ideology and the Fall of Men. Good afternoon and welcome back, Dr. Paul Nathanson. My guest co-host is Jake Fogg. Good afternoon. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, by the way, I should just <laughs> okay, add that uh, my my co-author in those books is Catherine Young. Uh, my bad. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here today uh, because this came up in the news yesterday, and it was one of those, oh, my goodness, really, you really are pulling this one? Uh, there's a professor um, out of, what the heck is she out of, Northeastern University, Professor Waters. And yes. she wrote an op-ed piece in the Washington uh, Post. <laughs> Can anything be more ridiculous than, that, than this? That all men, yes, no matter who. Yes, the title was, Why know, Can't We you... Hate Men? <laughs> I mean, we can understand hating Harvey Weinstein, but Harvey Weinstein is not all of men. 
Well, I think it's uh, such a characteristic um, phenomenon of our time that people get the idea that they don't even have to explain or apologize for using the word hate. It's thrown around so much, and it, it, this new feminazi movement, there's no other way to explain it. Uh, it's that we don't even need men anymore. Let's cut them completely out of society. Tell them they can't vote, and if they do vote, they only vote for women. Tell them they can't run for office because a woman is going to beat them anyway. Uh, they have made men no longer men. You know, it's it's fine if you walk around with a man bun and a purse and you, you, you follow your little girl around and whatever she says goes. But that's not what, you know, a real relationship is. There is a tug of war. There is a war of the sexes. And oh, you have to war. either have equal power. Well, it, but it's real. There is God made man and God made woman. <laughs> so he put both of us on the earth here to share it together. Well, I think that um, what's been going on for the past year or two um, is is open warfare. But, I mean, it's been going on really for the past 40 years, except that much of it was confined, at least at first, to college campuses. So people can always say, well, yes, there are a bunch of loonies on the college campuses, but when they come into the back home and they get jobs, they'll, they'll shape up. But in fact, um, this kind of hatred has uh, become normalized, and uh, it's all around, and it's open. Yeah, it's to the point where if you enjoy going out hunting or fishing or hanging out with the guys for a beer, you're a Neanderthal. You're not even worth the time of being part of the human race. Is that that's the attitude, and and. There's all types of men. There are men that like to be chefs rather than go out and hunt. Uh, there's men that like to decorate rather than build the house. You know, it takes all types. And yet, without seeing the individual for what they're worth, they will immediately condemn every single man on the planet. Yes, well, uh, you know, we've got to, we have to do something about it, and um, I think the only, say, ultimately, men and women have to be able to talk to each other in a way that is rooted in empathy. Not ranting at each other, uh, not uh, um, just trying to shout each other down, but to actually try to understand how it feels to be in another person's body. Now, that's what we call dialogue. And empathy, too. This is the problem we have with society. It's either one side or the other without understanding what either side is really about. And so you've got... It's not not only men and women. uh, This is the the polarization across blacks and whites, religious and secular... Uh, the fault lines are, are many. Well, you, uh, I've got my co-host, Jake. Jake, feel free to jump in because this is what the left I, does. The way they gain power, and this is not about you know right or wrong, male or female. It's all about power, who controls the power. And the best way to control you 
is to, to divide everyone into groups. You've got blacks versus Hispanics. You've got white versus Asian. You've got male versus female. You've got the LBGT community against the heterosexual community. You've got the religious right against the progressive left. It, unless they have battle lines drawn, they can't control the power. Am I looking at this right or wrong, Dr. Nathanson? No, that's correct. And uh, there's a long history, a much, <clears throat> much longer history to that kind of thinking. That's, that's what um, in my field, religious studies, but also in anthropology and history, um, that's known, and philosophy, that's known as dualism. It's a worldview in which all of history is seen as a titanic struggle of us against them. Uh, we are good, they are evil. And um, that goes right back to the ancient Near East, and you can find it in many, many sources. Um, and it's just always been there, and sometimes it comes out uh, when dual... Did we lose Dr. Nathanson? Pardon me? Dr. Paul, you there? Yeah. You're, you're, you're dropping out. Are you on a cell phone? Because if you are... Your signal dropping in and out. Oh no, I'm not on a cell phone. Huh. Ah, just maybe the connection. I would I would say that the the feminist community has has really uh, pushed the LBGD the LBGT and however many other letters you're supposed to add at the end of it. They've actually started splitting them up into separate factions and I've noticed a lot of it's been against the male you know the gay the gay the male gay community um, and that the, they're actually the, the the ones who fuel the transgender arguments and uh, I I see that as and and the the feminist community is also by their bipolarization has has uh, created a whole movement uh, I don't know if You've heard of it or not, the MGTOW movement? Yes. Men going and, their own way. Yes. And uh, there's marriages are way down because of it because there's just no incentive for anybody particularly that, that plans to be successful in their future. They are not, uh, they're not engaging women anymore uh, in, in, in a way that would create, you know, marriage and children because they just, they, they really don't have any, any uh, reason to? They have they have everything to lose if they do. Yes, uh, there's so much to respond to in what you just said. <clears throat> I mean, first of all, uh, the question now arises: Do men and women actually need each other? And uh, in fact, they don't, except for uh, except for reproduction itself. Um, and then there's the whole movement um, of single motherhood by choice and also, uh, by implication, uh, the gay marriage movement, which all of which it, uh, rely on the idea that children do not need one mother and one father. You know, two mothers are just as good as a mother and a father, or that a single mother is just as good as a, a mother and a father. Um, now, I think that the, the rhetoric is all, uh, it's all, the political rhetoric is about adult rights, 
but nobody talks about the rights of children. Do children have a right to a parent of each sex? I think they do. Right. Well, you know, well, it, it's also then again about control and molding the child into what the adult feels they should be, and which comes to the new movement now where they have these children, they haven't reached puberty yet, are being transgendered. And they're told right. that, oh, you can decide if you're a boy or girl, and they're barely even three, four, five years old. I'm sorry, Dr. Madison, to me that's child abuse. Yes, um, these children are sometimes called babies. T-H-E-Y-B-I-E-S, um, because they don't want to use the offensive masculine or feminine pronouns. Um, and it's not only that children can choose whether they feel like boys or girls one day, they can also change their mind the next day. So there's, there's everything is fluid. There's no such thing as... Um, constraints, the constraints of biology, for example, that's overruled by preference. Um, now, you know, to some extent, this is a, this is a perfectly natural uh, development. We all want things. We all want to make our lives easier and better and what have you. But at some point, I think we need to consider the needs of society as a whole, um, including children as a whole. And if you tell children that their identity is something that is constantly shifting and constantly changing and developing, then they really have no uh, way of preparing themselves to be either men or women or anything else. Um, So I would say that these parents are basically experimenting on their children. But unlike many um, research programs in the academic world where you have to have informed consent from everybody in the experiment, children can't give their informed consent. So, I mean, I think the whole, the whole thing is morally uh, murky, to say the least. You know, I would agree. Everything is... Go ahead, Jake. No, I, I would agree, but, I mean... And, and it goes with, uh, I, I think some of it is, is uh, these people actually believe in, in the nonsense that they're spewing. Uh, but then there's, there's the people on the top who, who really just see it as another way to uh, put out information that will cause people to guess, uh, to second guess their own society, you know, in order. And that's a very leftist principle, no matter what no matter what part of the leftist uh, state of mind you're dealing with, that is a very leftist principle to, to uh, create things that will destroy a free society. Yes, well, I mean, you're, you're calling it a leftist idea, and maybe it is, but, I mean, I don't think that anything on the left is, by definition, bad. Um, this happens to be something that is very not advisable. Whether that's because it's leftist or not is another matter. I mean, I'm just saying that's an, that's an additional discussion. Right. Well, I think it's being used yeah. by the left. Well, yes, it is. 
you know, Dr. Nathan, so there was a time where, you know, whatever you did, whatever your sexual preference was, it was behind closed doors. You didn't have it spread out in the public. And everyone had a way of just treating each other with respect. You may know, all right, fine, this person may go this way, that person may go that way. Doesn't make them a bad person. Doesn't mean they can't do their job. You're still friends with them. But now we have a society that's become an amoral society. Everything is out there. Everything is permissible, and nothing is left behind the closed doors anymore. Is this what is really ruining our society, that we have become so permissive that anything goes, whereas we had at one point a moral value where you kept what's supposed to be private, private? Well, that's a complicated question because it's true that things, many things that are now open were once behind closed doors, um, that wasn't necessarily a good thing. I mean, people who hid important parts of their of themselves um, had a there was a heavy price to pay. It's hard to live in secrecy uh, because it involves it, it sometimes involves the internalization of shame, and then you have self hatred and a whole bunch of psychological problems. But as you say, um, when everything is out in the open and uh, and anything goes then you're developing what sociologists call anomie, um, which is basically the fragmentation and breakdown of society. So, um, I mean, I think that either extreme can be harmful. Um, My uncle just died. He was 95, and he um, had a very tough life because he could never hold a job, and he... He had to be um, supported by the family, and there was all sorts of conflict that came with that um, because he was in a very undignified position of having to accept help from the family and not be independent. So uh, my family and I have been trying to think, well, what what caused him to be so um, uh, unable to participate fully in the world? And I think my theory is that he was um, gay and he lived, he grew up at a time when he couldn't possibly discuss that or even think about it. Um, It was that unthinkable in his family. It was a very proper family. Um, And so I think that, and so he, he, was very, very secretive. He could not live in the same city with his family. He had to move thousands of miles away. He could never hold a job. He had no personality skills. And yet, um, on the surface, if you look back at pictures of him, he looked like a movie star. He had graduate degrees from Harvard and MIT. I mean, he had a lot of things going for him. And somehow, he just couldn't put it together. So the, the mystery of what created him... Um, is one that everybody in the family has been talking about, some with contempt and some with compassion. Um, He never went out with a woman or a man to anybody's knowledge. Um, So, you know, I'm just saying that when people are forced to hide from society, there's a very high price. There's one thing about, you know, hiding from society. It's another thing by being acceptive of everyone else you know so all right you you have it out there that you you may be gay you may be lesbian um that's that's fine that's fine 
But what we don't need in the public is where, you know, you have these movies and TV shows which are so sexually explicit and nothing is kept private. You know, and, right. and to be right. acceptive in society, the LBGT community has to be acceptive of the heterosexual community. You're yes, forcing yes. acceptance upon us without point. having acceptance of us. That's okay, an interesting point because there is a tendency um, among gay people, as in most other groups today, to look upon some other group as the enemy, as evil. And if you define yourself as gay, then the, the opposing group must be straight people and they must be evil. And so everything is interpreted in terms of being a victim of straight people and of needing to um, eliminate what they call the privilege of straight people. Um, now, I, so I'm speaking as a gay man. I mean, I think that I don't approve of that because I think that society does need to have straight people. We have to continue. Uh, we have to, um, and, and frankly, men and women need each other, and that has to take priority. Even though I'm a gay man, I would give priority to straight people. That's not to say that I want to persecute anybody, um, but to say, as some gay people do, that straight people and uh, homo heterosexuality itself is part of some conspiracy to oppress minority gender systems, um, you know, that's really a, that's a, a very uh, dangerous political strategy. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, the, look uh, at gay marriage. You know, the, whole, the whole debate over gay marriage was over uh, the imposition uh, of straight society on gay people by refusing to allow gay marriage that was interpreted as um, uh, um, persecution, oppression. In fact, however, I mean, uh, society must encourage and foster heterosexuality, and heterosexuality is not something that just happens. It has to be encouraged. It has to be learned, just as any kind of sexuality is learned. Well, you see, there's the difference of gender and... Well, I was going to say that that's the difference between gender and sexuality, and instead they're trying to blur the lines between it. You are born yeah. what you are born, and then you have the tendency to lean one way or another. And what we're seeing now is it's being forced upon young children to let them think that oh, well, if I think that I'm heterosexual and mommy and mommy tell me I'm not, then something has to be wrong with me. And as you know, the human brain sexually is not developed until at least the age of 27. So to ch force this on a child that just doesn't understand what the issues are, again, I come back, it's pure child. Uh, 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 the word just went right out of my mouth, my, my mind. <laughs> child yes. abuse. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, I think one of the other factors here is that it's not so much that children think I am a boy or I am a girl or something in between. 
they usually talk about it in terms of I feel. And, you know, that's a, that's a larger problem uh, at the moment for the past 50 years, the idea that feeling somehow takes precedence over thinking. We even have an expression. We talk, people say, I feel that, which, which technically, grammatically, requires an idea, not a feeling. Emotion and feeling are synonymous. So if you say, I feel happy or sad or angry, that's one thing. But if you say, I feel that uh, apple pie is good, that doesn't make sense grammatically. So in other words, language itself is now becoming focused on feeling and emotion um, rather than thinking clearly. Well, Dr. Paul, I'm looking at the clock. We're down to our last minute with you, and I've got my next guest already up in the studio. I want to thank you for joining us. Your books can be found on avoiceformen.com as well as up on Amazon. Uh, where else can I'm people not, find I'm you if they want to contact you? I'm not a voice for men. Uh, uh, I mean, I belong to other organizations, but not that one. But Amazon is where you can find the books. Well, I want to thank you for the work that you do in getting the message out you know, about Miss Andre. Uh, people don't understand it, and uh, we have to in order to maintain our society. If we don't maintain the population in our society, our society will no longer exist and will go the way of the dodo birds. Dr. Nixon, exactly. I want to thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, we got our next guest, up, a friend of the show, and I'd like to think that he's a friend of mine also, Dan Perkins. Good afternoon, Dan. I see you've got a new book out, and you did my shame on you. Well, but this, is, but this is a special book, and thank you for having me on, Amy. Um, this is a book called um, Timmy and the Little Red Wagon, and this book was written at the request of uh, a foundation here in Fort Myers to um, give this book to children who go into the brand new Galasano Children's Hospital of Southwest Florida. So it's a, it's called Timmy and the Little Red Wagon, and it's a story about two generations that own this red wagon. And the second generation, the son of Timmy, uh, has to go to the hospital, and they they have this red wagon that was his. It's his grandfather restored, and they're trying to decide should they take him to the hospital in it, or what should they do? And they just said, well, we'll take him in the hospital because he loved it so much. Uh, the worst that can happen is they can tell us to take it away and put it back in the car. And so they take him to the hospital, and and then they they put him in the wagon, pull him up to the front door. And, and the first person there is the security officer, and he says, look, bends down and looks at, at Cameron, and he says, that's a classic. And what happens is this is a red wagon hospital. Instead of transporting the children on gurneys, they transport them around on, in little red wagons. And so this particular couple who, who started this family, who started this foundation, uh, lost a two, two-year-old child to a very rare disease, and there was no children's hospital in um, in Fort Myers. You either had to go to Tampa or Miami, and two two and a half, three hours or more each direction to get there. So they got together with a bunch of other people and uh, they decided to build a new hospital. And we just found out last week that an organization 
rated Art Galasano Children's Hospital of Southwest, Southwest Florida the most beautiful hospital in the nation. Wow. Wow. Where so did I wrote, people learn I wrote about the book. I'm sorry. What was your question? Where can people learn about the hospital and maybe even make a donation to it? Uh, you can go to the Galasano Children's Hospital. I'll get you an address. Give me one second while I'm – I wasn't prepared for that, but I will get it for you. Uh, um, hospital. So uh, this, this couple, mostly the, the husband, uh, of, uh, read the, my first children's book, Peter the Little Irish Seal. And uh, they asked me uh, in a car driving with me and my wife going to a, a meeting, um, could you write a, a book about a little red wagon? I said, I don't know. Why should I? And uh, and they said, well, uh, they were they were a little reluctant to talk about it per se, but um, their two year old uh, told they told me about the two year old grandson, and uh, and uh, I said, you know, uh, I'll try. So um, I wrote the book, and uh, they loved it, uh, and uh, what happened was we went to the um, the foundation board. Um, there's a nonprofit foundation for the Haas Children's Hospital and actually for all the <clears throat> all the hospitals under the Lee Health system. And we met with the with the chairman of the board of trustees and uh, their chief fundraiser and he said, I just think this is just unbelievable. And uh, so we had we had a um, uh, a working draft of the book, and uh, he he asked if he could send it over to the hospital to have some of the clinical staff take a look at it and see what they thought. And um, they came back and said it was just terrific. They had a couple of changes they wanted wanted us to make, and we we said that's fine. So we're getting ready to <clears throat> it's, it's printed. And it's designed so that every um, um, every child, uh, and it's it, it's the Galasana G O L I S A N O. Do they get G O L I S A N O Children's Hospital mm-hmm. of Southwest Florida? And you can go there, do the, do a Google search for that, and you can find the website for the hospital and. I'm sure they'd be happy to take any contribution they'd like to. And um, so, you know, I, I wrote the book. They loved it. So they decided that um, um, that they wanted to give every child who was admitted to the hospital a copy of the book. So the foundation bought 2,200 copies, which is what wow. they think they're going to need for a year. So... Um, but uh, I'm, we're, we're, we'll put the image of it on the website. We're redoing the website. As I said, it's not for sale. Um, and um, but if somebody wants, if somebody want to get up, if they want to drop me a note, uh, and and the books 
the book's going to sell in the gift shop for five dollars. It's not you know not an expensive book. They want to make or they want to make a contribution to the hospital foundation. Uh, go to Galasana Children's Hospital of Southwest Florida, and um, um, they'll give you a link to the Lee Health Foundation where you could make a contribution. And if somebody's really interested in the book, they can send me an email off my website, and I'll figure out how to get them a copy. I'll send one you to know, you too. Um, I was. Well, you know, I got to tell you because I was in my doctor's office for my annual physical and the follow-up on it just uh, yesterday, and my husband went the first half of the morning. I was my appointment was the second half, and there's your book prominently sitting on his table. Why Grammy can't remember me? Uh, your right. autograph in it, and uh, I told him that you were going to be on the show, so he said he was going to definitely try to uh, listen in because he had some patience this afternoon. So he's going to, if not listen live, he's going to listen to the podcast, and he's so happy to have sure. that book because his father died from uh, mental dementia, possibly Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. uh, and it became a, a cause that he's really uh, involved in because uh, that book has so much uh, great information in it. Um, yes. But there's so much more to talk to you, Dan. And I'm sorry I could only give you a half an hour today, but we had so many guests. And, you know, we're getting so popular. My co-host with me today is Jacob, Internet Deputy. He's also the founder of a brand-new social network called Hub Book, H-U-B-B-O-O-K. And you were telling me mm-hmm. the other day that a Facebook no longer allows you to sell any of your books on Facebook. Right. Because you've got the Red That's Nile correct. series. And you've got the new book out, Terrorist Gold. And they think they're horrible books. They're mean. They're evil. So they won't let you sell them. So maybe you and Jake can get together, get onto his website, and maybe he can help you set up a page that you can sell your books off of his website. I, w- I would love to. Now, I'd how's love that for leading? So, yeah, that, give him, uh, give, Jake? We welcome anybody who wants to, to uh, sell uh, products like that. I mean, if you want to, you can create a page and a, and a and a group just exactly the same way you can on uh, Facebook, only one added convenience is you're not going to get blocked, and your viewers <laughs> aren't going to not see. Your viewers, whoever is following you or whoever is in the group that you create, will see your posts. <laughs> and so yeah. we uh, we uh, welcome anybody like that aboard uh, for sure. And I just well, want to say I really, really sure. like the story any, you just told. Yes, have, have any um give you my email address and send me the contact information and I'll, I'll get something started right away. I think oh, the, the biggest, the, any of the, the, this, the greatest disappointment for me of being banned from Facebook uh, is the fact that, that the children's books are not going to be able to get out, especially the one on dementia. That's, that's the greatest disappointment because it was getting phenomenal response and, and it just stopped. It, they, 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 they they took it down with everything else and um and I've gone back to them three times and they're not budging at all um and I you know I'm doing an any I'm doing a uh, a commentary which I just sent off to my editor just before I called you and it talks about the concept of free speech and that it really isn't free per se if you look at the the first amendment of the constitution it talks about freedom of expression that the government can't legislate against it. But there's nothing in the Constitution that prohibits private companies like Facebook from deciding who they want to have on their, their media. And so 
I, I wrote the story about understanding what freedom of speech means, and then I turned the story, and you might have heard about this, about uh, this little town in Georgia called Valdosta, Georgia, where they have the, the famous Vidalia onions. And one of the junior college assistant professors got a billboard out um, on the 17th of August to impeach Donald Trump. And when he drove by the, the bulletin or the billboard the next day, it was gone. And he had bought it for 30 days. And so he went to the billboard company and said, why did you take my billboard down? And they said, because we had a lot of clients were complaining about that and they were going to take their business elsewhere. I couldn't afford to lose my business, so I took you down. And so he was all bent out of shape that he didn't get a, he didn't he didn't get to use that public medium of the billboard to be able to get his message. And under the law, you can't stop him if they want if they don't want to do business. It's just like Facebook doesn't want to post my books. There's nothing really I can do about it. And and, and so what I I said that we need more conservatives to stand up and say, I want that taken down. I don't want that. And we need to become, especially in this campaign, we need to be aggressive about establishing our rights. For the longest time in my lifetime, and I know you're a hell of a lot younger than I am, so I've gone through a lot more than you. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for the compliment. (laughs) You're welcome, dear. Uh, I I think that the the Republican Party have been intimidated by the Democrats, and it's time to stop. And Donald Trump is the first Republican president who is not being intimidated by the left. And uh, and when I see that business people said, I'm not going to stand for this, get that thing down, or I'm not going to do business with you, the power of the economy, the economics, the spending of money changed that that billboard company's decisions as to whether they're going to run that billboard. And I think that we need to we need to step up and we need to stand up for what we believe and let the left know that we're not going to shut them down it's just that we want to ha- we want to be heard and they can't shut us down and i think it's very important well, and i think i'd like to add to that i think that it's uh it's incumbent upon us conservatives to to live by our words right we are free market people mm-hmm. and when we demand Facebook or Twitter, when we demand for them to to uh, listen to us and to not pull our posts and stuff, and we start, and I see a lot of conservatives out there demanding something be done. The problem is mm-hmm. that will be to our own detriment. Why don't we walk away? You know, that's why we created HubBook.com. We need to provide. I mean, it's not just a matter of needing another social media site so that people can can capitalize on their own voice. It is a much more powerful uh, situation to stand for the principles you say you defend. We are mm-hmm. free market people. We don't want, we essentially when, when, it, when it comes to brass tacks most of us conservatives don't really care what anybody else does. But we don't like being shut down and rather than doing that we do we, we actually believe in the power of people to do business freely if we don't like i said earlier you know if we don't want to go into a restaurant and be harassed for our politics in in a place like virginia then we find another restaurant right Mm -hmm. that's we don't tell them how to run their operation we just find one that suits us 
you know, we, I, 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 a lot of my purchasing decisions, some people call me crazy, but a lot of my purchasing decisions are not based on, not just based on you know, quality and so forth, is what have they done outwardly that has made us look bad as Americans? Well, I'm a proud American, and if they've done something uh, that makes people like us look bad, I generally don't shop with them anymore, you know? And so I think it's very, I think conservatives need to wake up and stop demanding Facebook do anything and start flocking to other avenues. We've created one for that purpose. And we've right. even made no, it easy. We've even made it easy to get onto because it's it's we've laid it out similar to Facebook for a smoother transition. But I mean Twitter followers are welcome and, and so forth. And so, you know, the only way we're the only way we're gonna be able to uh, stand for what we believe in is to actually stand for what we speak, right? So yeah, um, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think that I think it's a big mistake that a lot of conservatives are making by demanding that, that Facebook or Twitter or, or Reddit or any of these other uh, platforms do anything. Let them, because once people start walking away and figuring it out, hey, it's not very, it's not very smart for me to be a free market thinker, but then not being willing to go somewhere else, you know, and uh-huh. uh, even the, and I, I've even said, well, I've heard a couple of my friends have told me when I'm writing articles, well, what do you do when, you know, people like Ben Shapiro won't, won't move over or won't come. Eventually they're going to have to, the more people that walk away, there's going to be a less, less of a crowd for them and less, less followers for them and lower their own platform anyway. If we're not welcome, why would we be there to begin with? And if, if right. half of us can't see it because they don't even put it in our news feed, why would we stay? If I subscribe mm-hmm. to Ben Shapiro and I don't get to see, and I don't see him coming through my news feed, that means that they made sure that that didn't happen. So right. I'm, I'm, I, my partner and I created the hub book for that very purpose so that people would have a place to go to while they're sitting there in Facebook jail and have nothing to do. Now they have a place to go. They have a place to start sharing and building their own pages and their own groups and communities and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that was very wise. I think it's really wise what you brought up because a lot of people aren't looking at that. They're just seeing the, the damage it's doing, but they're not looking at the, the, the bigger damage down the road if they continue to demand. Yeah, and, and and I think that what I'm also trying to say in this article is to help people understand that freedom of speech doesn't extend to the private sector. It doesn't. And I talked. This is why I the talked NFL about is the, under fire. Right, because the the the, the provisions of mm-hmm. the of of the First Amendment do not apply primarily to uh, private companies. So. The NFL is a private company. The teams are private companies, and they should be able to be able to put up whatever whatever they want. Exactly. And if they're if they're walking away from that and and uh, letting the 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 left control that, then then that's that's on them. But um, we know that thirty seven percent. They talk about it in the article. 37% of the people who were watching the NFL have in, last year have indicated that if the protests continue this year, they're going to stop watching it. And I, you know, my, my number four son 
has the Giants logo tattooed over his heart. That's kind of a, a Giants fan he was. <laughs> he doesn't watch the games yeah. anymore. So yeah, I I agree. Lots of I different mean, ways. And and it's kind of like <laughs> I, you can use the example of like uh, uh, BlackBerry. BlackBerry BlackBerry went under not because the government told uh, everybody to buy iPhones or demanded that iPhone offer something better. BlackBerry mm-hmm. went under because they couldn't compete. People were taking their right. money elsewhere. So you have to stay on the market. If, if people start walking away from the NFL, enough of them walk away, they're going to change their tune. And uh, so the I, same, way with, same wanna, way with Facebook. Yeah, so I, I, want, to, uh, I, want, I want Andy to send this. Uh, let me tell you, I've got a piece out today, Andy, on uh, uh, Newsmax.com. And the title of the piece are 10 Reasons Why Democrats Will Not Take Control of the House in the Midterms. I'll do them for you real quick. Rasmussen Report says 32% of American adults now say they are less likely to watch NFL games. We just did that one. 67% of Americans disagree with New York Governor Andrew Cuomo that we're not, we're not going to make America great again because it never was great. 67%. Americans are overwhelming, overwhelmingly proud of our nation and its past. 85% of Americans are proud to be Americans. Voters see that America is a special place, and 69% of voters think that the United States is more exceptional than any other nation. In a Gallup poll, 55% of voters think that the best days are ahead of us. And I say, do you remember when Barack Obama told us, those jobs are never coming back. Voters don't like Antifa. They are just looking for trouble. 28% of voters responded think that the Democratic Party should officially declare itself as a socialist party. Yet 51% of Democrats have a favorable impression of socialism. And Arrow, the website, says 100 million people have died under socialism and communism in the last 100 years. Number eight, um, a made in America is not a slogan. 61% of the people say that a made in America is a way of life. Number nine, 37%, only 37% of Americans think the Mueller probe is good for America. And number 10, iSideWith.com shows that 71% of voters believe the U.S. should increase its restrictions on border security. Those are the 10 wow. reasons, because and the Democratic, Democratic Party is doing nothing about any of those 10, and they're totally out of phase. And I could have done a ton, 10 more, but they're not. This is why they lost in 2016, is they're not in tune with the reality of the, of the American voters. And that's why they're going to lose again. And they don't see it coming. And it's fun. No, and today is primary day. Uh, particularly noticeable is Florida and Arizona. Uh, so we're going to wait mm-hmm. to see what happens. As we go into the primary at the same time, Trump announces this agreement he has with Mexico, disbanding right. NAFTA. And mm-hmm. within less than 24 hours, the Canadian Minister of Trade is saying, oh, we're going to sit down and talk with Trump about a treaty. Uh, about some sort mm-hmm. of an agreement. 
Trump is going with these bilateral agreements. He is bringing business back. He is opening up trade. He's he's the stock market is going nuts. I mean, uh, my right. father had recommended a stock years ago, and we finally had enough money to invest in it. And within two days, I already saw an earnings in this one stock. And I says, "Look at this, Johnny." And you'll never see this sort of an increase in any other sort of an account. And we're seeing America turn around. And what we're going to see with these primaries today, I mean, he's he's backed, what, 16 candidates? And out of the 16, Mm -hmm. I believe 12, he's gotten pushed forward. That is a good percentage. Oh, but you lost four. Yeah, but we won 12. (laughs) That's that's the Democrats. They always look at the negative. They never look at the positives. It's not in their narrative. I, I really believe – see, I, I have been uh, – I've been in the, the business of managing money for 45 years. And when, when Trump started talking about tariffs, I, everywhere I wrote, everywhere I talked, all over the radio and television, I said, you've got to understand that what Trump is doing, he's not looking for a trade war. He's letting people know that the way you've had it for the last 50 to 60 years isn't going to be that way anymore. And – and because we are everybody's deepest, we're going to try and get some of that money back. And so people were saying we're going to have a trade war. The economy is going to go in the tank. It's not going to – and I said, no. What, what these countries are going to realize is that they need the United States more than individually, than we need them. And so what happened was we created a situation where people began to wonder and understand, for example – China exports over $600 billion of stuff to the United States. In fact, the export market to the United States, again, you've probably never seen this anywhere else, Annie. The export market from China to the United States is over 5% of the entire gross domestic product of China. That's how big we are. We only import about $100 billion, so it's six to one. So they can, they can talk 25% on all of the $100 billion that we, we import, we export to China. But if we 20 25% import duty on $600 billion that they export to us, it puts them in a problem. And I said that I believe that they will come to terms. And so what did we have? We had Europe come over and say, we want to play nice. Now Mexico said they want to play nice. Japan's already said they want to play nice. Canada can't be far behind. And when China, which is going to have to come to the table and change a lot of things, what you're going to have, Annie, is that probably by one year from now, the gross domestic product of the United States will be in excess of 6%. Wow, that's a big number. Adding to that also, Nikki Nikki Haley is putting Trump's America agenda first in the U.N. because there's $18 billion in contracts to the world body that they hand out each year. And even though we are the biggest recipient of these procurements, it's not in proportion to what we contribute to the U.N. So she's saying, no, 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 you owe us. So a lot of those contracts are going to be coming to us now. He's saying yes, America first. You know, a lot of people, Annie, don't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I was just going to say, I have to admit, I was one of those that was really worried and nervous about talk of tariffs. I'm very happy about how things are working now, and I see that. But I, I was, you know, I'm a Thomas Sowell economist, so I was very nervous about it. But I'm very pleased at the way things are going and that he, he didn't really start a, a trade war. He really did just fight back, and I think that's uh, amazing. Uh, yeah. I think that we're really seeing great results because of it. Right. What we don't, what Americans don't understand, that this trade problem started after the end of the Second World War. Because at the end of the Second World, Europe was destroyed, England was destroyed, China and Japan were destroyed, many of the Pacific Islands were destroyed. At the end of the Second World War, the United States accounted for 50% of the world's gross domestic product. Half of the world GDP was concentrated in the United States. And so we as a grateful nation went back, and all the people we defeated, we began to rebuild them. And we gave them free and unfettered access to the United States market. And they've had it for a long time. And we never had the courage to go back and take things back to make things more fair until right. Donald Trump came into office. And that's what's going on. And they realize they, they have all this bluster, but they realize that Europe, for example, is the second largest deficit in the world. They have $172 billion trade deficit with the United States. And China is, has almost a $500 billion trade deficit. So the point is, they began, they're beginning to understand that as that's been used a lot, there's a new sheriff in town, Donald Trump, and he's changing things. And they're having difficulty to, to understand why he wants to change it when it was so good for them for so many decades. It's time to change. And as a result, companies are more and more interested in coming to the United States because we have favorable tax situation. We've got abundance of energy. We've got room to grow. And we've got a workforce. And all the things that companies are looking for are here as opposed to other parts of the world. So 6% may be too low, really. And if you think the market, any is moving now, wait till China decides that they're going to capitulate. Watch what happens to the markets then. Wow. It's, it's amazing where we're, where we're heading and where we've come from. Uh, and I'm so mm-hmm. glad. I extended the show a few extra me- minutes because, you know what, we, we can't give you just half an hour. I mean, you cannot well, do I have, that to you. I, have a, I told you. I told you. But I you have a call that I have to do it for. I have to do it at four. So I know I have to let you go, Dan, and I, I'm sorry about that. But uh, next time I got to give you a heck of a lot more time. <laughs> we love you. Well, that's that's your choice. That's your choice. It's your it's show. Definitely a pleasure. <laughs> yes, thank you. Well, I look forward to that, getting that getting that email address, and I'll I'll look look into putting my books on your site. Definitely. Thank you. You're always Over. welcome. Thank you. All right. God bless. God bless. Thank you, dear. Bye. All right. I uh, definitely have to hook you up, uh, Jake, with Dan Perkins. Um, he's got so much going on because he's on TV. He's on uh, radio. He's he's an author of multiple books. He writes columns left and right. Uh, he would be a great addition to Hub Book. But, um, I mean, I wanted to get into the Mueller probe, and, oh, my God, this is backfiring, Jake. I'm going to just extend this just a few minutes more because I did want to talk about the Mueller probe and what is exploding. Orr is right now testifying behind closed doors. His wife is the one that was had the connection to a Fusion GPS, 
And now Lanny Davis, who's the um, attorney for uh, Cohen, is saying, oh, I'm the one that leaked everything. And the attorney to the client, and he's the one that leaked everything about Trump that was all false. This is getting nuttier and nuttier and nuttier. Yes, and I, I think that the biggest problem is uh, that the longer we continue to allow this, the, uh, the more corrupt our country becomes, even with Trump in office. I, what I'm, I have a, like a deep down, there's a little shred of me that, that thinks that Trump's holding on to a Trump card, if you'll excuse the expression. I think that you know, everybody keeps asking, why isn't he releasing this information? He could expose a lot of this information. I'm wondering and I'm hoping and praying that maybe he will just before the 2018 uh, election cycle is finished. I'm just wondering if there's uh, an October surprise, if you will. You know, this uh, there's no accountability being held. I mean, this, this uh, Mueller is has gotten he's getting away with being completely unconstitutional what does that do to our founding document you know i mean that's well that's this, this is what this is what's coming to light and people are now starting to talk about the original FISA warrants being fruit of the poisonous tree people are finally getting that ideal into their head and the american public is going to turn because this is going to go not between just Mueller, rosenstein comey or um, Rosenstein's wife or his wife uh, it's not going to go just through that it's going to be with the Clintons it's going to trace all the way back through to Uranium One and this is going to be a huge huge scandal and it's going to blow up and it's going to blow up real soon Admiral Lyons traced a good portion of this but he didn't link the whole thing, FISA warrants with Rosenstein and everything. And, oh, my goodness, he was on the show, and my head was spinning when he was describing all this. And I had read his article, and I tried charting it out, and I made myself dizzy. There is a lot going on under the surface. It's going to pop soon, and Trump is going to be sitting there laughing his butt off in the White House. And Jake just dropped. But that's the end of the show, guys. I want to thank everyone that joined us. Uh, Curtis will be back here on Friday. Uh, we've got Tom DeWeese, and we're going to have a lot of fun with him. Uh, man, he, the guy is amazing. And then we have Mona Fishman. She's got a lot of new songs out that are pro-Trump, and she makes fun of Soros, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with her. So we've got some great shows lined up, and we're already starting to book into September already. Uh, so please, guys, stay tuned. I'll keep you up to date about what is going on. So that's all I have to say, guys. I want to thank everyone that joined us in the chat room. I want to thank everyone that is listening up on Facebook and uh, YouTube and as all the other places we're at, at SHR Media, Lone Star Daily News, and oh, good Lord, just go to the name of the show and put a hyphen in the middle, southern-sense.com. Jake is back for the last two seconds to say goodbye and tell people where they can find you, Jake, and tell them to join Hubbook. Yes, definitely. Uh, Everybody's free to join. I don't know what happened there, but anyway, we, uh, we definitely welcome all people uh, to come on. We're not going to block you for sharing your uh, vision of liberty. It's hubbook, H-U-B-B-O-O-K.com, and I can also be found at internetdeputy.com, where it's not about politics, it's about freedom. 
Well, thanks, Jake, for standing in. And if I ever need a co-host on a fly, if I need a co-host in the future on the fly, I'll give you a call. Definitely. Anytime. It was my pleasure. Well, until then, folks, we'll see you back here on Friday. Same bat time, same bat station. I say good night and God bless. And I leave you with our closing, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. <laughs>